You're now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Hey, everybody. It is Nathan, your humble and obedient host. I'm here with a preacher who's a teacher of sanity, Pastor Benjamin Solzer. How are we doing, Ben? Hello. Good, Nathan. Hey, we are going to pick up with part two of our conversation with Tim. I'm not going to lie. We're recording this intro thing at a later date. I'm happy you didn't lie about that. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't going to. I said I wasn't going to, and then I didn't. Man, talk about integrity. <laughs> we should talk about it sometime. <laughs> Let's do it. Apparently, I've got a very low bar. <laughs> in any case, uh, Ben, you'll you'll recall that last week we were in the middle of a discussion with Pastor Tim Bailey, and by we, I mean you, myself, and uh, Jake Menzel, who's not joining us for this intro, but will be joining us for the body of the episode. So where were we, and what are we going to hear when we travel back in time to hear part two of that interview? Well, Nathan, we were, Tim had just finished answering your question about how do you, how do you do a good job at your marriage when you've just come to a point of spiritual maturity or just become a Christian and you're looking to salvage like maybe Lots you've been married things. a long time or whatever. You've had, you have kids that are getting older and suddenly you've mm-hmm. become a Christian or suddenly you've come to spiritual maturity. What do you do? So Tim talked about that for a while. You can hear that on last week's episode. His basic answer was that marriage is hard for everyone, not mm-hmm. just you. If you start marriage when you're spiritually mature, you'll have a lot of sin. So will your spouse. Mm-hmm. So don't think that you're the exception. Just have faith to start working on it. And it's more elaborate than that, but that's the basic idea. You should go back and listen to the whole thing. Yeah. So, and what are we going to be going into here? You're about to ask the question, what do I do if I want to lead my wife, but she won't let me? Well, why don't we listen to me do that? Topic number two of our, uh, like our, our kind of Ann Landers marriage questions here. How can I begin to lead if my wife refuses to follow? <laughs> oh my that one's funny that's a good one <laughs> everybody has big grins on their face folks <laughs> not sure exactly why <laughs> and Tim is shaking his head as if to say you goober you would ask that question <laughs> no no No, what I'm actually thinking is how common it is for men to ask that question, especially on social media. Mm -hmm. And if I could just, and I don't like the question, because the presupposition behind that question is that there are wives who submit to their husbands. Right. (laughs) And that's Mm -hmm. a false, that's a false premise. Yeah. You show me a marriage and I'll show you the ways that the woman strives with her husband. And there are many women who have perfected it to a Christian art where it is as sophisticated and hidden as possible. But honestly, do any of us think that we have a wife who is better than Eve? And Eve was a sucker for Satan approaching her husband through her. And the first man in the state of perfection was rebuked by God for listening to his wife. And so 
Eve didn't submit. My dad, well, anyhow, forget my dad right now. But look, there is no marriage that does not have conflict. And conflict is a constant across salvation history. And we know that because the Bible never stops telling women to submit to their husband. And so, no, I don't care what your pastor and his wife are like. She needs to be commanded by God to submit to her husband. So that's the first thing I want to say. We have so many Christians that act as if they're perfect, and pastors are particularly good at this. They're just so, so good and have such good wives, and we're happy to help you, stupid idiots, who may need help because you're not as good as we are. Mm -hmm. And, And of course, simple people who are sheep buy into that and they say, well, I can't have a happy marriage because my wife won't submit to me. And so I want to start there. I want to start by saying there is no wife who submits to her husband. You want to pick one out of scripture? Who's the best? I mean, really, marriages in scripture show me the best marriage. (laughs) And do you know what the Jews say the best marriage is? What's that? Isaac and Rebecca. Isaac and Rebecca. Oh, yeah, buddy. Yeah, that one That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> There's a cute Hannah. story at the beginning, but... <laughs> yeah, it's a good story at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you do have some like uh, um, Enoch, where the Bible simply says he walked with God and he was no more. And you do not have any indication of any conflict between um, Boaz and... Uh, Ruth. Ruth. Ruth, yeah. And you don't see conflict between Mary and Joseph, right? Mm-hmm. Although the, the Roman Catholics explain that by saying they never were intimate physically. That's a joke. The Roman Catholics say that, but I don't think yeah. they're saying that. <laughs> Although right. they do believe in the immaculate... <laughs> I never thought about this. I wonder what they do say about whether or not Mary and Joseph had fights. Then you've got uh, Priscilla and Aquila in the New Testament, and we don't have any indication of them striving with each other. But I'm saying you take the best, the best godly women and men of Scripture, and you look at their marriages, and then you look at all the commandments to submit to your husband and to the husband to love the wife. But you asked about submission, and we can, we can know from that that marriage is difficult and that it is the habit of women to not want to and often not to submit to their husbands. So I want to blow that up at the very beginning. If you think you just needed to marry a a more submissive woman, find her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then the flip side of that coin is women can't follow husbands who won't lead. Yeah. So... Here's an idea. Lead. Yeah. But my wife won't submit. God yeah, commanded yeah. you to lead regardless of your wife's obedience. So I once was speaking to a, a, a retreat up in Chicago of uh, Chinese. Uh, they were all in their late 20s, early 30s. Uh, they, it was a singles group, a large singles group of a large Chinese church. So I said to them, they were all professionals, you know, accountants, stuff like that. And so I said to them, I'd like you to break up into a group by sex, two groups, 
the men will go over in this room, the women here. So there were probably like 60 to 80 people. So say 40 of men, 40 women, and me and their, their pastor from their church. So we broke up and it was hilarious because I went into the men's group first and listened to them. And all the men were saying how none of the Chinese women in America were willing to submit to their husbands. And so they were all talking about establishing connections to Chinese women back in the homeland so that they could marry them because they would be submissive. Okay. So this is back in about 1994, maybe. Then I went out to the women. The women were all complaining about how weak all the Chinese men in this group were (laughs) and that none of them could handle leadership. And I just felt like shooting myself. It was like, what honor? What am I supposed to do? What do I say to these people? You know, the women don't like the men. The men don't like the women. The men are planning to go back to China to find a wife, a traditional wife. And the women are on steroids making money hand over fist. The world is their oyster shell, (laughs) you know, and I'm supposed to help. (laughs) And I honestly don't think I did help that weekend, actually. And so we can't help you, dear listener. (laughs) (laughs) The the thing about this question and these types of questions is, and I think maybe the underlying reaction that we all had is, and why Tim uh, went the direction he did at the top, is the minute you start asking these questions, it becomes apparent that you're trying to get out of the responsibility for obeying God's commands to you. It will infuriate men to hear you say that. But it's true. Well. But it's it's true. And it is true that you need pastors and elders who are willing to command, to call your wife to o- obey God's commands to her and call her out in her rebellion. But there is no, there is no subordinate relationship for set aside even... Uh, husbands and wives, there's no relationship between an authority and a subordinate where the subordinate isn't inclined to rebellion. You and your boss, you grumble, you complain, you think you know better than your boss, and yet your job is to do what he tells you to and to improve him, right? Improve the work that your company is doing. Your teachers in school, this is just the way that we are. And so we have a responsibility. The boss has a responsibility to lead his employees, the teacher has a responsibility to teach his students, the pastor has a responsibility to shepherd the flock, and a husband has a responsibility to lead his his wife and his family. And at the end of the day, it's his job and his responsibility to lead his wife and his family. And he needs to be a good leader, the kind of leader that people want to follow. And he's not going to be a perfect leader. But good leaders also deal with the rebellion of of their subordinates, of the their employees, of the people in their household and that's just part of it and so do we have a world in which that has been uh corrupted by feminism for 150 years yeah yeah and it's hard and yeah to me look like you want to say something honestly i am depressed knowing what's against marriages today i am so and the thing i keep harping on social media because we actually believe that social media is truthful, is helpful, and that the people that we know on social media are friends. And social media is permeated with 
Afe a lie. And the lie is that it is the man who says the true thing, who is the monster in society. Okay? And so social media exists to cause everybody to talk in such a way that they see who their friends are, they give likes to their friends, they banish anybody who disagrees with their circle of friends from their friend circle. It is such an awful place for people to think they have intimacy and love and community and fellowship. It's awful. It's awful. It is just awful. And so when you go into marriage where you're not looking at a computer, you're looking at a woman and she be there in front of you. And she be the one who nursed your children who are sitting at the table, watching her lift an eyelid slightly at you disrespectfully and immediately are taking her side because they nursed at her breast. And so if you have an expectation that you can live as a father in a home in such a way that you get kudos and like likes from your children for doing what is right or saying the right thing, you will never do what is right. You'll never say the right thing because all you're looking to do is get social media likes. And that permeates the Christian church today. It permeates it. And I just think, look, you have to resign yourself to living biblically to speaking biblically, to taking your sense of normalcy from Scripture, you cannot allow the lying media to cause you to think that Trump is the worst, wicked, most awful man that ever existed on the face of the earth, and you cannot allow social media likes to convince you that you're the most enlightened, progressive, uh, nuanced, sensitive, kind man that ever existed. We're liars. All of us are liars. And if you live by trying to manipulate social media lies, you'll never get down to the hard work, okay? You'll never get down to the hard work. And if you do try, just gently, all of a sudden you'll get smacked in the face by such horror, such pain, such shame that you'll give up trying. And so you have to learn to not allow yourself to be seduced by the public personalities that are portrayed through videos, through movies, through social media. You just can't allow yourself to judge you, yourself, your wife, and your children by the standards that are all through social media. I remember when I was a newly married man, we had a small group. So this was back in 76. We had a small group at our church, and there was a woman in this small group. And this woman, at that time, she was in a lesbian relationship, and we were calling her to repent of it and, and, and come back to Christ. And she was in our small group. We ate with her constantly. She babysit our daughter. And I remember all of a sudden noticing one time that every single facial expression and word choice and flip of the hair of this woman was carefully calculated to make her look good. Even her irony was theater. You know, even when she'd say self-deprecating things, it was carefully crafted in a direction that would make you realize how bright she was, how engaging she was, but that she wasn't completely arrogant. And then I realized that everything she was doing, she saw herself and heard herself through television cameras and movie cameras. 
and I could tell you who she looked like, the actress, but I won't, I won't get that specific. So this is nothing new. This is nothing new. We cannot live for the Klieg lights, for the cameras, for the mics, for the podcasts, for the social media, and ask God to change us and our wife, let alone be obedient to the commands that God gives us in leading our wife and submitting to our husband. You either desire the approval of man or you desire the approval of God. You either fear man or you fear God. So if you're not going to start out by saying, I will be for God. And I know that will get me bad press. Well, so I, I feel like the listener to this podcast is probably thinking, uh, I said I wanted to do the hard thing and I asked you how to do the hard thing. And then you guys just told me that, no, I don't. I didn't want to do the hard thing. I didn't want to do the hard thing. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. I was yep. like, okay, well, I do. So what do I do? Well, there are a lot of hard things we could tell you, and we would tell you different ones based on our friendship with you and our love for you and our knowledge of you, okay? It is very common for a man to be an emotional retard. Let me start over. <laughs> it's very common for a man to be uh, emotionally... Stunted. Stunted. Tone deaf. Tone deaf. And it's common for that man to have a wife who's bitter and children who are alienated. And it's very common for his wife and children to think he doesn't care because often men who are emotionally stilted show their love by working like a dog because yeah. they don't want to fail to make a nice home, a nice vacation, whatever it is. And so they will work like a dog, but women and children don't receive that as love. They receive that as the man doing what makes him feel worthwhile and it's a separate world and they're not doing the hard work, which is emotional work, right? And in situations like that, there are a number of things you can say to men like that. One of them is you have to open up to your children. Talk to them about your work. Often we will say to them, you need to tell your sons what makes you fearful. Tell your sons your fears. That's about as intimate as a father can be with his sons. I'm afraid of this. I fear this sin in my life. Now be careful with that one. That's such a, such a loving thing for a man who's emotionally repressed to do with his wife. And so if you feel like you haven't been told which hard thing to do and, and when by your pastor or your elder, and that you don't know what the right thing to do is, and that usually when you try to do the hard thing, your wife makes it clear to you that that was not the hard thing for you to try to do. Which, of course, if you're going to repent of being an abdicator and weak, it does not matter what hard thing you do, she will not approve of it, okay? You've established patterns. She doesn't actually want you to stop drinking. She just wants to have a life of complaining about it so that everybody knows what a stand-up woman she is compensating for her drunk husband, okay? Right. So you guys, it's hard. She won't approve of your repentance. She may be the most godly woman in the world who was praying for 20 years for you to come to church. You finally came to church and you came home and said, sweetie, I realize I've been wrong to not deal with our son's rebellion. And so I'm going to change. 
And she's like, oh, finally, right? So he opens his mouth before a noise comes out of his mouth. She says, honey, he had a hard day at football practice today. <laughs> you know? It's, I don't know, Jake. You take over. Honey, you can't just go and start, start uh, disciplining him. He has no context for that. You've spent 20 years not disciplining him. Or fifteen years not disciplining him. So let you have me to be tell more you. gentle, more gentle. Yeah, however, it you. is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let me continue to control. Yep. Exactly right. <laughs> I've got this. I've had my hands. I've been. I had a good thing going here. You know? you and you're really just think, you're mucking it up. Yeah. You really think, stupid idiot, that after twenty years of abdication, lazy, slothful video games, that you're just going to be able to waltz in here and and mess up the good thing that I've tried to create out of the terror and chaos of your ridiculously, <laughs> absurdly, filthy, stupid, ignorant life. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I paid for it for. 15 years and developed all these ways of fixing and controlling everything. And now you're just going to come in and you're repentant and you've got the joy of the Lord and you're just going to screw it all up for me. And I don't have to deal with the pain of you screwing it all up. And how do I know it. this isn't a momentary repentance? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how do I know that the, the chaos that ensues isn't going to be worse than, you know, how do I know that seven demons aren't going to come in? I, I was managing the one demon just fine. And that hard. be, that be you, honey. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard, and 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 you you know you okay. This is this is the, these are the consequences of your abdication, and so there's nothing for it but to just lead and fail and be wrong, but be wrong while being a proactive leader, trusting that God will bless you even when you're wrong, and then be quick to repent, but also don't give up your leadership. Keep fighting for it and working for it. Be tender, yeah. be sensitive to your wife. Listen to your pastors and elders. It's back to everything we talk about. You know, um, you need to be, a, you've not been healthy. You need to be around what healthy is. You need to see what healthy is. And you need healthy people telling you that's not healthy or that was healthy. That was good. Yeah. Because you can't do it on your own. I will never forget one of the best lessons I ever learned in leadership was when I was working as a uh, supervisor, a manager at a call center. And it was extremely fast paced. There were these calls coming in and they had to be dispatched. And as the person who was in charge of the shift for the evening, you just had to make these really quick decisions so that you get all the calls out to the different companies that we worked for. And what I discovered is that, I mean, honestly, if I can be uh, make some sexist generalizations for a minute, the, the women who were in the same position as me would often get bogged down because they would want to make the right decisions and they would want to make sure that we weren't messing anything up and that we weren't offending any of our clients. And so they would take time to make these decisions and 4,000 things would pile up and the shift just wouldn't get done. What I found was I probably made, after I learned what I what I was what was really expected of me. I probably made seventy percent of the right decisions, or some or sometimes fifty. Sometimes I really messed things up. But the effective way to get it done was to do something. Was mm -hmm. to make a decision. Was to get the call out. That was my job. The responsibility that I had was, in fact, to make the decision. And I tell that story to young men a lot, and they're always confused by it because they think I'm telling them. It's okay to 
sin and it's okay to make terrible decisions. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is take responsibility for it. And the absence of the absence of leadership is often way worse than bad leadership. Thank you for listening to Sound of Sanity. Please go to patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity to support this program, as well as the Chip and Lance show, the Ville, and our other creative endeavors. Patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. You'll get additional little episodes, sanity bites, we call them, as well as other fun behind the scenes looks, videos, and occasional goodies. That's once again, that's patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. Until next time, stay sane.